We are going to be in Psalm 95. We are also going to be in Exodus chapter 17. Those are our, those are our two texts this morning. Um, each and every week, those rectangular pieces of paper that are on the tables that you're sitting at, um, one side has some announcements, the other side has a section to take notes, and at the top of that note section are the scriptures that we're going to be reading um, together, as well as the page numbers if you are using a Bible that happens to be on that table. Um, so those are there for your reference every single week. Um, today we're going to be in Psalm 95 first, which is on page 933, once again, if you're using one of the Bibles on the table. And I would like to read that for us as we, as we begin this time together. Come and let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did that day in Massa, in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. When we gather around the communion table, we are prompted to remember what God has done, and out of that remembering, we are encouraged to take a next step. Something we try and highlight every single time that we receive communion together is that we are to remember what he's done. And it is out of getting swept up in the remembering that we are reminded that he has been with us, that he has moved and that he will move again, and we are encouraged to continue on in our journey. In a strange way, Psalm 95 prompts a present response in light of a past event. Psalm 95, in a, in a very strange way, in an abrupt way, suggests to the reader, because of something that had happened before, remembering, we should take the next step, or we should, in fact, respond in the present moment in a particular way. Psalm 95 opens with the words, let us sing for joy to the Lord, and ends with, they shall never enter my rest. 
It's an interesting psalm. Verse 8 is a key one. In a spirit of remembering and allowing remembering to shape what is next, verse 8, which says, don't harden your hearts like you once did, is a key passage. It is a key passage in this swept-up moment of remembering and choosing what is to come next. Now, sometimes we encounter the Scriptures and we hear names of places and we hear what sound like details of a story, and um, sometimes when we're just focused in on one particular passage, we don't uh, sometimes investigate um, what that whole connection really is. But did you know that, in fact, Psalm 95 is talking about what is happening in Exodus chapter 17? It's a very fun thing. And so, with those things in mind, with this theme of remembering and allowing the remembering to inform the future, let us go back to where this all started as far as Psalm 95 is concerned, and let us talk about those two places. And let's read the stories of the wilderness, and let's read the story of the the trying and the testing and things like that. So, Exodus chapter 19, this is what the psalmist in Psalm 95 is, is bringing to their mind as they are writing down the words and penning the words of Psalm 95. They're thinking of this particular story, which was orally handed down generation to generation to the psalmist, and Psalm 95 comes about from this particular story, Exodus chapter 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water. (laughs) Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, a prayer that every pastor prays on Monday morning. Just kidding. What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the same staff that you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock. Water will come out of the rock for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa, which means testing. And Meribah, which means quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled, because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? Or not. 
this particular passage, we find the nation of Israel in a physically literal state of wilderness. Wilderness is a key word this morning. Wilderness is a key word in the season of Lent as well. We find the nation of Israel in an actual desert, in an actual place of barrenness, in an actual place of wilderness. This is a brief timeline of where we jump in with the story of the people of God is that the promised land was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Moses, called and commissioned by God to lead people out of their um, slavery at the hands of the Egyptians. The people are now freed from Egypt. The sea has parted, and they are now in the desert. Wilderness can also, and is almost always, mental and emotional states as well. You do not need to be in the desert in order to experience wilderness. Verse 7 helps us with giving a definition to wilderness. Wilderness could be described as the moment when you ask, is the Lord among us or not? You could be in a city. You could be in a rural area. You could be in a desert. You could be on the side of a mountain. You could be in your house. You could be anywhere. You could be in any particular season. And if you ask the question, is the Lord with me or not? Is the Lord with us or not? You very well may be finding yourself in a place of mental and or emotional wilderness. With all of these things in mind, hear this this morning is that it is possible for freedom to lead you into wilderness. It is possible for a moment of freedom to lead you into wilderness. This is what it could be easy for us to do, is in light of a promised end, in light of a promised promised land, we could disregard the path to that end and stay laser-focused on the end. And I would suggest to you that some people in the nation of Israel are experiencing this in that moment. Freedom leads us to wilderness sometimes, and it can be so easy for us to focus on the end that we know is coming that we just stay laser-focused on the end And just by default, we end up disregarding the path that we take to that end. We are forced with choices in life when we are in the wilderness. When you are in a mental or emotional place of wilderness, a choice presents itself. I will present multiple choice of three this morning. You could take your life into your own hands and get yourself up out of the wilderness. That is one option. You could rely on someone else to get you out of the wilderness and kick and scream until you are up out of the wilderness. 
Or you could do a third thing, and full disclosure, it is both italicized and bold-faced in my notes, is that you could focus on your posture in the midst of being in the wilderness. Take your life into your own hands, put your life in someone else's hands, or you could focus on your own posture. Just like freedom can lead us into wilderness, we also need to hear this morning that we can experience peace in wilderness. We really can. Wilderness does not mean, although it sometimes feels that way, as if though we cannot experience peace. This is what I think was happening to the nation of Israel when they quarreled against Moses, is that the chaotic conditions that surround us sometimes lead us to question God's presence. The chaotic things happening around us sometimes lead us to question God's presence, but God is present in the wilderness. And this and this alone should bring us peace. A chapter before, the people say, no food, and God sends down magic bread from heaven. And in chapter 17, the people say, no water, and Moses taps the rock water cooler. I'd like to share a quote from theologian Terence Fretheim. He has gifted the church a commentary on the book of Exodus. And Terence says, It is obedience in the midst of wilderness that brings order into chaos. Obedience in the midst of wilderness brings order into chaos. What if your obedience leads you into even more wilderness? Be obedient. You hearing that? Are you hearing that potentially you are taking conscious, active steps into more wilderness? Be obedient. What if things aren't going my way? What if there's no food? What if there's no water? Be obedient. What if the wilderness brings about something unexpected? Be obedient. Be obedient to what? Be obedient to who? Be obedient how? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is my earnest prayer for the people of Reachway Church, for the people that make up the church universal, both in Peoria and around the world, that we would be able to discover what obedience looks like in the wilderness. It would be my earnest prayer for Reachway Church and the people that are part of the church universal 
in Peoria and around the world to even though we feel as though there is a promised land promised to us, that we would not get caught up in the path from where we are now to where we think we are headed. That we would not feel tempted to take lives into our own hands, that we would not feel tempted to put our lives into someone else's hands, and therefore, just by the default of that decision alone, end up quarreling with that person that you're putting all of your trust in. I'm wondering what it looks like for us to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourself in the midst of wilderness. So with those things in mind, with Psalm 95 in mind, with Exodus 17 in mind, with our children present with us, coloring masterpieces, um, let's turn things over to the tables. Let's have about five to ten minutes of discussion. Um, we ask three questions every time that we gather for discussion. Um, what are you hearing? What do you think you might need to do about it? And how can we help? Um, it would be reasonable for us to merge into two tables, I think. Um, and uh, let's take five, ten minutes to do that, and then we will respond. Peace to you as you discuss.